welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Blessed evening, lovelies. I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all of your sisters and brothers in spirit. And each day, let us all make a little extra effort to show and share love with one another and radiate those higher qualities of our mighty I Am Presence, that divine part of ourselves, back into the atmosphere, building a harmonious momentum of love and light and raising the vibration of ourselves and others to those elevated heights of loving, living, thinking, and being, mind, body, and spirit. For remember that we all have an effect on each other in this world, no matter who we are, no matter where we are from, or whether we see it or not, because all life is spirit and energy. Negative returns negative, and positive returns positive. It's the law of life. So everybody, everywhere, be sincere love to one another as much as possible. And indeed, it is always possible. Give thanks and praises for love and life. And y'all be loved. Samsara and Nirvana Look about and contemplate life. Everything is transient and nothing endures. There is birth and death, growth and decay. There is combination and separation. The glory of the world is like a flower, it stands in full bloom in the morning and fades in the heat of the day. Wherever you look, there is a rushing and a struggling, and an eager pursuit of pleasure. There is a panic flight from pain and death, and hot are the flames of burning desires. The world is vanity fair, full of changes and transformations. All is samsara, the turning wheel of existence. Is there nothing permanent in the world? Is there in the universal turmoil no resting place where our troubled heart can find peace? Is there nothing everlasting? Oh, that we could have cessation of anxiety, that our burning desires would be extinguished. When shall the mind become tranquil and composed? The Buddha, our Lord, was grieved at the ills of life. He saw the vanity of worldly happiness and sought salvation in the one thing that will not fade or perish, but will abide forever and ever. You who long for life, Learn that immortality is hidden in transiency. You who wish for happiness without the sting of regret, lead a life of righteousness. You who yearn for riches, receive treasures that are eternal. Truth is wealth, and a life of truth is happiness. All compounds will be dissolved again, but the verities which determine all combinations and separations as laws of nature endure forever and aye. Bodies fall to dust, but the truths of the mind will not be destroyed. Truth knows neither birth nor death, it has no beginning and no end. Welcome the truth. The truth is the immortal part of mind. Establish the truth in your mind, for the truth is the image of the eternal, it portrays the immutable, it reveals the everlasting, the truth gives unto mortals the boon of immortality. The Buddha has proclaimed the truth, let the truth of the Buddha dwell in your hearts. Extinguish in yourselves every desire that antagonizes the Buddha, and in the perfection of your spiritual growth you will become like unto him. That of your heart which cannot or will not develop into Buddha must perish, for it is mere illusion and unreal, it is the source of your error, it is the cause of your misery. You attain to immortality by filling your minds with truth. Therefore, become like unto vessels fit to receive the Master's words. Cleanse yourselves of evil and sanctify your lives. There is no other way of reaching truth. 
Learn to distinguish between self and truth. Self is the cause of selfishness and the source of evil, truth cleaves to no self, it is universal and leads to justice and righteousness. Self, that which seems to those who love their self as their being, is not the eternal, the everlasting, the imperishable. Seek not self, but seek the truth. If we liberate our souls from our petty selves, wish no to others, and become clear as a crystal diamond reflecting the light of truth, what a radiant picture will appear in us mirroring things as they are, without the admixture of burning desires, without the distortion of erroneous illusion, without the agitation of clinging and unrest. Yet you love self and will not abandon self-love? So be it, but then, verily, you should learn to distinguish between the false self and the true self. The ego with all its egotism is the false self. It is an unreal illusion and a perishable combination. He only who identifies his self with the truth will attain nirvana, and he who has entered nirvana has attained Buddhahood, he has acquired the highest good, he has become eternal and immortal. All compound things shall be dissolved again, worlds will break to pieces and our individualities will be scattered, but the words of Buddha will remain forever. The extinction of self is salvation, the annihilation of self is the condition of enlightenment, the blotting out of self is nirvana. Happy is he who has ceased to live for pleasure and rests in the truth. Verily his composure and tranquility of mind are the highest bliss. Buddha, The Gospel, by Paul Karras, 1894. Isis Unveiled, Chapter 12 If the doctrines of Aristotle have exercised on the later Neoplatonists such a dominating influence, how is it that neither Plotinus, nor Porphyry, nor Proclus ever accepted his theories on dreams and prophetic soul visions? While Aristotle held that most of those who prophesy have diseases of madness, thus furnishing some American plagiarists and specialists with a few reasonable ideas to disfigure, the views of Porphyry, hence those of Plotinus, were quite the reverse. In the most vital questions of metaphysical speculations Aristotle is constantly contradicted by the Neoplatonists. Furthermore, either the Buddhistic Nirvana is not the nihilistic doctrine, as it is now represented to be, or the Neoplatonists did not accept it in this sense. Surely Mr. Draper will not take upon himself to affirm that either Plotinus, Porphyry, Iamblichus, or any other philosopher of their mystic school, did not believe in the soul's immortality? To say that either of them sought ecstasy as a foretaste of absorption into the universal mundane soul, in the sense which the Buddhist nirvana is understood by every Sanskrit scholar, is to wrong these philosophers. Nirvana is not, as Mr. Draper has it, a reabsorption in the universal force, eternal rest, and bliss, when taken literally by the said scholars, means the blowing out, the extinction, complete annihilation, and not absorption. No one, so far as we know, has ever taken upon himself to ascertain the true metaphysical meaning of this word, which is not to be found, even in the Lankavatara, which gives the different interpretations of the nirvana by the Brahmins Tyrtakas. Therefore, for one who reads this passage in Mr. Draper's work, and bears in mind but the usually accepted meaning of the nirvana, will naturally suppose that Plotinus and Porphyry were nihilists. Such a page in the conflict gives us a certain right to suppose that either one, the learned author desired to place Plotinus and Porphyry on the same plane with Giordano Bruno, of whom he makes, very erroneously, an atheist, or, two, that he never took the trouble of studying the lives of these philosophers and their views. 
H.P. Blavatsky Now, for one who knows Professor Draper, even by reputation, the latter supposition is simply absurd. Therefore, we must think, with deep regret, that his desire was to misrepresent their religious aspirations. It is decidedly an awkward thing for modern philosophers, whose sole aim seems to be the elimination of the ideas of God and the immortal spirit from the mind of humanity, to have to treat with historical impartiality the most celebrated on the pagan Platonists. To have to admit, on the one hand, their profound learning, their genius, their achievements in the most abstruse philosophical questions, and therefore their sagacity, and, on the other, their unreserved adhesion to the doctrine of immortality, of the final triumph of spirit over matter, and their implicit faith in God and the gods, or spirits, in the return of the dead, apparitions, and other spiritual matters, is a dilemma from which academical human nature could not reasonably be expected to extricate itself so easily. The plan resorted to by Lampriere, in such an emergency as the above, is coarser than Professor Draper's, but equally effective. He charges the ancient philosophers with deliberate falsehood, trickery, and credulity. After painting to his readers Pythagoras, Plotinus and Porphyry as marvels of learning, morality, and accomplishments, as men eminent for personal dignity, purity of lives, and self-abnegation in the pursuit of divine truths, he does not hesitate to rank this celebrated philosopher, Pythagoras, among impostors, while to Porphyry he attributes credulity, lack of judgment, and dishonesty. Forced by the facts of history to give them their just due in the course of the narrative, he displays his bigoted prejudice in the parenthetical comments which he allows himself. From this antiquated writer of the last century we learn that a man may be honest, and at the same time an impostor, pure virtuous, and a great philosopher, and yet dishonest, a liar, and a fool. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 13 You don't realize, dear ones, how the outer world is craving this perfection, which they know is being made manifest. There are already individuals who, if they dared, would offer this good messenger millions of dollars to give them certain things, but they know they dare not do it. You have little evidence of how there is not anything in the world that could not be brought forth as we are able to flash these words to the messenger. Don't you realize, dear ones, that there is not one thing in the world of invention, discovery, or anything else that could not be brought forth? For instance, in the attunement of the music which you are being prepared for, don't you see that if it were necessary and you were not bringing it back clearly, I could prompt you through this messenger to do the thing that was necessary? I am somewhat of a musician myself, as well as an inventor. However, I do not have to use a brush in my artistic work. Therefore, realize dear ones, that you stand in the open doorway of all the perfection there is. Isn't it worth any effort? Oh, there is no such thing as sacrifice, don't you see that? Whatever you discard of the outer world is a release instead of a sacrifice of any kind. Is there anything in human creation that would be a sacrifice for you to let go of? Well, I think we have had quite a long visit this morning. Question. Doesn't the vibra harp bring balance in the three bodies, balance the energy and the whole vibratory action of the three bodies? Saint Germain, now, let me suggest that if you would play the song of the islands on that instrument, you would no doubt produce some very amazing results. Question, how about having some play it while you are working? 
Saint Germain, marvelous. Question, how about making a transcription of the Song of the Islands on the Viper Harp? Wouldn't that carry a very wonderful attunement over the air? Saint Germain, Barry. I want you all, if you will, to be so firm against all outer human suggestion, that when you have an inspiration, of course, be sure that the inner impulse is coming from your presence, then quietly go ahead and carry it out, and see whether it works out, because that is the way you attune yourself for whatever your presence, through the higher mental body, might want to do. Beloved Saint Germain You will find from time to time more and more marvelous things will come forth by which to hold the attunement of the people, but oh, there is so much. We cannot bring it all forth at once. There are certain instruments, perhaps five or seven, which will produce some extraordinary results. I won't say anything further about it, but when you get that certain combination together, it will produce a result on an audience that will be very, very remarkable. These are modern musical instruments. Question. Do you refer to the combination of the instruments and the orchestration? Saint Germain, yes. You see, the outer world had believed that certain instruments and orchestration are essential. You will find you will be able to change those with other combinations, producing far greater results than has so far seemed to be authority for that in the outer world. If you were to hear the flute we have, you would hardly be able to distinguish it from the human voice. Question, is that made of amber or a special material? Saint Germain, a substance of our own composition. Question, is that the same substance the harps are made of? Saint Germain, quite similar to what the violins are made of. Question, could the substance of jewels be used? Saint Germain, that is being done. You will remember I said to you, the harp and the violin were made of a substance similar to mother of pearl, then can you for a moment imagine the exquisite tone of the vibratory action from that which is the purity of a pearl? You see, jewels are the most perfect substance in the vibratory action of that color, so, if substance was drawn forth into the production of instruments representing that color, naturally your perfect tone production would be there. We have an instrument of far greater perfection than that one which I brought from Arabia for Mrs. Rayburn, that produces within three minutes a perfect attunement of the body, the physical structure. When the time comes that we can bring that forth, we will do so, but we will keep the instrument from the visibility of the audience because, of course, the human inclination the minute something comes forth is to try to imitate it, and that could not be permitted, because they would probably produce the exact opposite effect. Then in some of these things the curiosity of mankind will reach its peak to hear something which they are not permitted to see. Question, could not a record be made and played over the public address system? Would that do it? Saint Germain, yes. But remember, in the reproduction of a thing you are bound to lose some of its perfection. When a thing is produced from an individual through the instrument, I mean in the perfection of the attunement of the presence, you produce a certain result. In other words, you set forth causes that produce the exact result, while to produce that through a machine means you have lost some of the effect. Of course, now I am referring to these instruments we are just discussing that come forth of this perfect substance, for really, the substance is perfect and produces perfect vibratory action for a given result. That is not known in the outer world so far. Beloved Saint Germain